This is the On Blast Podcast, NFL Picks Edition. We are here. It's playoff time. 18 weeks behind us. The playoffs are finally here. It seems like just yesterday that we started on this journey with so many weeks ahead, so many picks to be made, so many games. And now we're here. It's the playoffs. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I, and I mean, last time we talked, I discussed how much I despised week 18. And look at here, look at here, week 18, not so bad after all. We'll get to that in a sec. But first, I got to introduce the man, the myth, the legend that is here to give us all the whole grain goodness that he always provides, the information and education. Our guy, Mr. Matt Russell, how you doing, my friend? I'm good, man. Uh, I don't know what 18-week season you just lived through, but it felt like a lot longer than you described it. At least it did for me. I was trying to put a positive spin on things, okay? (laughs) Trying to put a positive spin. We're in the playoffs. We're hype. We're we're starting the pod. You know, we've got to come with some energy off the front end. Absolutely, man. And listen, nobody loves the NFL season more than me. But that being said, like, you remember early September because that seems like it was a really, really long time ago. Again, at least in my world. Uh, this is obviously the time of year where, you know, I don't, I don't get a ton of time off necessarily by design, <laughs> don't, like, you know, get ourselves here. Um, you know, I, uh, I signed up for all of this. Uh, yeah, man, but fired up last week, 12 and four record in week 18, bringing the grand total for the regular season to 153, 108 and 10 on the season. Most successful season had on the pod in a lot of ways listenership up on the pod viewership up on the pod the record up on the pod things are just going well this season and we continue to keep that train moving into the playoffs as well and we are here wild card weekend or as they call it super wild card weekend and for people who might be new to the pod just a reminder what we do here i'll come out i'll give a pick lean on one side or the other say why i'm thinking this team or the other, and then Matt comes in with the information and education that lets you know where the line is, where it was, and where it could be going before we get to kick off all that other fun stuff to hopefully have you come out on the other end with a more informed pick. That's all we're trying to do here. And clicking at a high rate, I'll take that all season long. But before we start with the picks on what they call now Super Wildcard Weekend, I remember. I don't even have to go back and listen to last year's pod, but I remember pleading with myself, pleading with you as well, pleading with the audience to remind me this season on Super Wildcard Weekend. This is a lesson. Blowouts do happen. Normally in the playoffs, I know I'm going to be out here trying to take the points wherever I can get them because it's the playoffs. But this Super Wildcard Weekend stuff, it's not about close games at all so i'm just gonna quickly quickly here remind people of what the scores were from last year's games on super wild card weekend okay the bengals 26 raiders 19 the buffalo bills 47 the patriots 17 the tampa bay buccaneers 31 versus the eagles 15 the niners 23-17, 23-17, which was an upset, right? The Niners were underdogs in that game. Uh, who were they, um, they playing? Refreshment, the Cowboys. Oh, yeah. It was the course. Cowboys. Of course. Yeah. Niners, 23, Cowboys, 17. Then you had the Chiefs, 42-21 to against the Steelers. 
And on the Monday night, you had the Rams. Yeah, it wasn't even that close. 42-21 made it look a lot better. I think I remember last year talking about trying to watch Euphoria. (laughs) (laughs) The game being over in time to watch the Euphoria live, if I remember correctly, that Sunday night game. And then on Monday night, we had the Rams and Cardinals. Rams won 34-11. So again, just a reminder before we get into any of these games, don't be afraid of the big spreads. Now, that's just what we're saying going in. Now we will deep dive into each and every game. But that is just a reminder that I promise to remind myself and thus you, the audience, as well as we head into this super wild card weekend. And we begin on Saturday. Saturday, we got the Seahawks at the San Francisco 49ers. Niners favored by 10 points. I know, as I've been taught by my guy, Mr. Matt Russell, 10 is a very key number. It is a lot of points to be laying with a rookie quarterback in the playoffs. But here we are. Reminder, don't be afraid of the blowouts. I love the Niners' defense. My man Purdy hasn't been making a lot of mistakes. My man Geno Smith, hmm kind of tailed off towards the end of the season, but I just think the Niners defense in this instance, the games that they've played so far, Niners kind of dominated that. It's going to be tough to beat a team again, convincingly for the third time, but I just can't take the Seahawks in this. Give me the Niners. I'll lay the 10 points and just, just full on root for my Niners here. Well, I'll tell you what, you're going to be pleased because there's a lot of nine and a halves out there on the board. so and i think okay. that just kind of reflects uh the idea as you mentioned right 10 being a relatively key number uh especially when it gets down to the idea of you know I- insurance points right teams are more likely especially in the playoffs to just take that field goal when they're up seven points just to get to 10 so it becomes yeah. that you know that sort of percentage points more of a key number um but i'm with you here And it comes down defensively to the fact that we've watched these two teams play. The Seahawks took uh, basically what? Do some quick math in my head here. 116 minutes of NFL football play before they scored an offensive touchdown against the Niners defense. Because people forget, like they'll look at the score real quick, not that, that it was overly flattering to the Seahawks from that week two game. And they see seven points on the board and they go, oh, at least the Seahawks scored a point. No, that was a after a that was off of a blocked field goal. That was a blocked field goal return for a touchdown. I think maybe the only one of those all season long. I don't remember another blocked field goal return for touchdown off the top of my head. I'm sure there probably was one. And then of course they meet back in Seattle in a game that I liked Seattle in. That was a time where Brock Purdy was on a short week. He was playing his first ever road start. We talked about the script after that game really working out and then him not playing particularly well on the back end of that. But again, the defense was outstanding in that game, yeah. right? Turning guy, you know, turning the, the Seahawks over. Now the Seahawks come into this game and they don't have Jordan Brooks defensively. So as much as the 49ers are running it and Chris McCaffrey will obviously only in one of these two games, the most recent one, of course, he's going to be able to run it. Elijah Mitchell is back. So he's going to be able to run the football here. Again, obviously San Francisco back at home the last three weeks, their scores are what 37, 37 and 38. They are not exactly (laughs) putting up, you know, a small amount of points here. So like how many points is Seattle going to need to be able to cover this game? Like I'm looking at something like 27 to 16 type of a score here. And again, that feels kind of like very generous to Seattle offensively. 
and also very generous to Seattle defensively. And yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I understand why this number is what it is. From a market standpoint, San Francisco minus eight is the number that I come out to, which is probably why it opened around there. It opened around eight and a half, actually opened in some you know very low limit book. Um, actually, I think it opened like seven, something along those lines. And like people like, you know, knocking the women and children out of the way in order to grab San Francisco minus seven. So the earliest I could get was eight and a half. So I'm in an eight and a half here. My own personal ratings make it nine and a half. So that's why I automatically sort of felt like there was value on San Francisco, but, you know, certainly at eight and a half. Now my ratings would say that this is a fair number. So, you know, uh, again, I, we're not, there's not going to be a ton of value from a number perspective. And yeah, a lot of people are going to like the 49ers and it's going to feel sort of like the square thing to do. But like you mentioned, by reeling off a lot of those blowouts, and a lot of those blowouts were the favorite, right? That had a lot of sort of public money and all the sort of terms that we like to use. I think there's some other spots where people are going to get tripped up throughout the week. And so if, you know, if you're well, willing to lay nine and a half, I think you're probably going to start the week with a pretty, uh, you know, with a win. Whether you're going to be able to keep that money the rest of the weekend is a completely different story. But yeah, man, San Francisco minus nine and a half, widely available. Make that nine. I want you to change that on the font because I don't want you coming to me when they win by 10. I don't want you to say that you pushed in that first game because you're getting nine and you're, you know, you're giving up nine and a half. You're getting that win. Uh, uh, yeah, this is 49ers in a big way, I think. I like it. I like it. I like it a lot. Niners, let's roll for sure. We are moving on to the Chargers. Two-point favorites against the Jags. We're sticking here. This is Saturday night, baby, in Duval. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, I want to say when I first saw this line, it was a pick -em. You, I know you will correct me if I'm wrong for sure, which I appreciate gladly. Line is, appears to have moved towards the Chargers. And under a field goal, I'm still very comfortable in taking the Chargers in this game. The Jags... I mean, this is a prime spot where I could see where I like taking the Jags as underdogs, but I need them to be bigger underdogs. I would like them to be three-point underdogs. I would like them to be three-and-a-half-point underdogs. And we're not really there yet. I do want to know. I'm on the Chargers. I'm on mm -hmm. the Chargers. I'll lay the two points. But I'll be a lot more confident if you can tell me for sure that Mike Williams will play in this game after Brandon Staley. Like, Dude. I don't even know what my guy was on last week in week 18. I know I have my feelings about week 18. And clearly he does as well as he decides, you know what? My often injured team, I'm going to play them in a game that doesn't matter. At all. Yeah. long. So give me the Chargers, but. Tell, tell me some injury good news, please. Well, listen, you know, who knows what the charges when it comes to good news, bad news in that department. And that's the problem, right? And so longtime listeners will be sort of happy to know if they hadn't figured it out by my my rants on Twitter as I had sort of a the small uh, gross, the, the gross domestic product of a small country riding on the Broncos to win that game against the Chargers after everything that was sort of tied into it throughout the, uh, mm -hmm. throughout the course of week 18. Uh, I renounce. I renounce Brandon Staley. I'm out. I'm out on Brandon Staley. Wow. I'm out. Right. I like generally the concept of aggression. I like the general concept of going forward on fourth down. So when he was doing that last year with a terrible defense, I was like, yes. But when you tell me that you don't know how to manage a roster where you can't take out what five, seven guys, like this isn't complicated. It's not like we don't see this every week 18. So I'm sorry, there's no excuse for Herbert even playing a snap in that game. What happens if Austin Eckler gets hurt? Do you have to forfeit the game? When Mike Williams leaves the game, do they say to the referees, sorry, guys, we have to shut this game down. We don't have enough players. 
No, somebody else goes out there. Look at all these other teams. Like the Giants are literally in the exact same spot with the sealed up wild card, you know, seed and all of that sort of thing. They can figure it out. So fundamentally, you look and you go, am I supposed to trust that organization or am I supposed to trust the organization of Doug Peterson and the Jaguars? Now, the Jaguars part of it's a bit sketchy, certainly, but at least Doug Peterson has sort of a handle on things. And that's a team that I'm going to like a lot more over the course of time. And so all that is to say, I don't really have a side in this game. The line opened two and a half. I knew that was a little high. So I grabbed Jacksonville plus two and a half at even money thinking like, well, maybe I can come back on the Chargers if this thing gets down lower. And sure enough, it did. Like you said, but when you looked at it, it was pick them. And it's been pick them for a really long time this week. I think Monday through Wednesday, basically. And now we're sitting here on Thursday and it's back up to two, two and a half now. And I start going, are we going to get to three? Are we going to get to that point that I don't think anybody, certainly even yesterday, thought that we were going to get where the Jags were going to, you know, at home underdogs plus three. Like what's going on here? Anyway, so... I don't have a side in this game and this is going to send up the sort of, you know, uh, red flags and the alarms because I absolutely got housed in uh, our weekly total this, uh, this season, which isn't rare because I'm awful at totals. Again, long time listeners will, will understand and know that. And honestly, not a, not a lot of it is bad handicap. Some of it is sort of bad luck, but anyway, I digress. I say, I let's say I like the under in this game. I think the Jaguars defense has been playing a lot better in uh, the last, you know, two months. Trevor Lawrence gets a lot of credit for playing a lot better in the last two months, right? We all sort of talk about like how he's, you know, how much better he's been since uh, the bye week and the London game and, and how it's starting to click for him. I didn't love how he played under the bright lights, right? That was a playoff game on Saturday night and he missed some wide open throws. And there was, so there wasn't, you know, I didn't love that necessarily. Um, I think they're going to run the ball a lot more because that's what you do against the Chargers. Travis Etienne is pretty fresh right now. He has been he's had a single digit carries the last two weeks. Chargers, obviously a different story, right? One of the worst defenses in the league can be beaten explosively. James Robinson, remember him, had a 50 yard run in that game the first time around in week three. That's going to be more Travis Etienne in this. So I think with the Jags running the football more, you know, takes a little more off the clock, et cetera, et cetera. The Jags run defense pretty good. Chargers run game pretty bad. This is going to be on the shoulders of Herbert and Lawrence. But if we sort of think that even as good as these guys are, or as potentially good as these guys are, if we think that these first-time quarterbacks in the playoffs might struggle as sort of a general rule, if they struggle against each other, and I don't know that they're going to turn the ball over, right? It might just be missed throws and that sort of thing. I think 47 and a half is a little high. I think people will look at this, especially come Saturday, and be like, oh, Lawrence, Herbert, shootout. Like these two, you know, getting after it. But the Chargers defense has played pretty well, right? Think of that game against Miami and Tua, where they had the game plan, right? They looked at what Tua does, another young quarterback, and they go, okay, like what can we do to take away what he wants to do? So I think the Chargers defense does that. And so between the Jags defense playing a little bit better here, the Chargers defense playing a little better, and two young quarterbacks, albeit very good quarterbacks, 
and sort of an increased number. I think it gets to 48. You can get under 48 right now at minus 120. Why is that important? Because 48 kind of a key number when it comes to totals, right? You can sort of picture a 28-20 type of a game. So we'll wait and see if we can get 48. At the worst case, you know, theoretically, we'd grab minus 120 at under 48. I promise you it's my only game total for the playoffs. Not every game I'm going to like a side, because think about it, right? 16 games in a regular week, or at least a full-scale regular week. How many do I really like? Eight? nine something along those lines as far as like making a pick that i'm like trying to talk you in or out of so i'm not going to talk you out of this one i've got chargers 25 to 1 to win the afc tickets out there so like i'm hoping they win I got the, like i said the initial opening bet on jags plus two and a half if the chargers do their thing where they play a really close game maybe they win by one that would be ideal or obviously two points i would take as well but, uh, you know, for this game, I think the best bet is on the under, but we can wait and probably get a better price on this, I think. No, I got you. I got you. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, in terms of trying to get a good price, uh, this line has been moving and shaking for a while here. Got the Dolphins at the Bills. Bills favored by 13 points. No Tua. No Teddy Two Gloves. We saw the scenes last week in Buffalo. Super emotional game, emotional start with the kick return TD. And at under two touchdowns, can't lie to you, I'm still okay with taking the Buffalo Bills, especially when you're telling me that the Dolphins are rolling out Skylar Thompson. This line, though, the movement has just been insane. And this, to me, is the lesson that we've been talking about for a while that you know, you've educated our listeners on in terms of paying attention to the lines. This was nine and a half, two days ago when there was talk of will Tua play. We're not really sure, but we knew Tua wasn't going to play, right? The rating for the Dolphins from sort of a numeric standpoint, right? Normally kind of in the high 50s with Tua, mid to high 50s, low 40s, again, as favorites against the Jets. And that was with Skylar Thompson. And so if you take that and you go, okay, well, we're taking that Skylar Thompson rating. They won the game. God knows it wasn't pretty, you know, theoretically nine to six, but 11 to six on the scoreboard. And you take that and you apply that to this game. You get that 11 point spread, which is where this sort of opened up. 10 and a half, 11 was where it was at the start of the week. And then there was this weird day of murmuring. I think it was on Tuesday where it was like Tua might play. Because if Tua plays, like we know what this line should-ish be because these teams played like three weeks ago in Buffalo, right? In what we thought was going to be a snowstorm and the Bills were minus seven and they opened minus six, minus six and a half only because of the if the snow that we thought we were going to get. Did this even get to seven? So you go, okay, if Tua plays, knowing there's obviously uncertainty on whether he can even survive the game and all that sort of thing, like probably not getting all the way back down to seven. We're probably getting somewhere like eight. So they make it nine because, you know, nine is kind of a dead number, right? Nine, nine and a half. And then it's like immediately within sort of 12 hours, it's like, nope, two is not playing. And we're getting Skylar Thompson ready to start. And now we're up to 13. And so I don't, you know, sort of to your point, like I don't really know why we are up to 13 other than just the general concept of like, it's a playoff game. Skylar Thompson's a first-time quarterback and blah, blah, blah. Because just numerically or sort of like ratings-wise, 11 seemed fine to me with Skylar Thompson. And then there's the element that you mentioned, right? Two kick return touchdowns by the Bills last week. This is a team that's just felt underwhelming all sort of season long here. Every time I watch them, I'm like, okay, like, come on. Like, where is this? 
And then in the fourth quarter, I think it was both were in the fourth quarter. One might have been third, one might have been fourth. They hit these bomb touchdowns, right? Where it's like, dude, a 50-yard touchdown, like guy, the John Browns of the world, like making diving touchdown catches. And like you go like, yeah, that's what people like about Buffalo, right? Is that Josh Allen can just absolutely sling it. But when it's not Josh Allen slinging it and it's not Josh Allen kind of taking off and running, there's just, again, it's all just kind of underwhelming because they still win the game. So let us say, like, I'm, I really want to fade Buffalo. And again, this is one of these bummer games that would be so much more interesting if this was Dolphins Bills at its at each team's finest, or sort of, you know, at least with Tua. And so I go, like, I can't lay the 13 points. But I definitely don't really want to take the 13 points with Skylar Thompson. Yeah, so, like, yeah. how am I going to bet this game? Like, what do I think can happen? And I go, I kind of think the over is the play because I want to fade Buffalo's defense conceptually. Mm -hmm. I think there's a way that Buffalo scores a lot of points, though. So, again, fading Buffalo's defense doesn't necessarily mean they don't cover. Because what if they win this game 31 to 14, 31 yeah. to 17, something along those lines, right? Like, I've that's probably good enough most of the time, but not in this case. So, I like the team total. I like Buffalo, and I wrote about this for the score a couple of days ago. I like, and it was, you know, what happened was when this when Tua went out, the total came down, which sort of shrunk the scores. Even though it probably only should have shrunk Miami's score, so they're available at twenty seven and a half. They're still pretty widely available. There's some twenty seven. I mean, listen, you can bet anything for a certain price. If you can find like minus one twenty at twenty seven and a half, you take that. If you can find better than minus one twenty at over twenty eight, so you get a push on twenty eight with the Bills. But that's how I want to play this because I want that I want to bet on the Bills scoring because I think, and again, this is the assumption of rational coaching, which is always a little bit terrifying. I think the Bills, if they spread everything out and they just go, you know what, like guard five, <laughs> guard five receivers with the with the Dolphins secondary and the Dolphins defense, I think they can just have like Josh Allen in pretty good conditions on Sunday afternoon. I think he can just pick this team apart. And so I think they score one way or another. There could be some, there could be a defensive touchdown here because Skylar Thompson gets a little loose with the football. Obviously, from a special team standpoint, they're at least capable. And then I think offensively, there could be a spread it out mentality here with the Bills, where they're not worried about the Dolphins, you know, having a quick drive and having the Dolphins burn them for that. Because I think they're going to yeah. get a lot more possessions. Because I think the Dolphins are going to give them more than 10 or 11 possessions. I think the Bills could have 12 or 13 possessions in this game, which to me makes their team total uh, a lot more palatable, right? It's a lot easier to, to, to cover that 28, you know, sort of four touchdown number when you have that many, right? We just saw Georgia hang 60, whatever, 65 on TCU because they kept getting the ball back. Right? They kept getting extra possessions. I think that's kind of where we're headed here. So I don't trust Buffalo to lay the 13 necessarily. But again, I'm not going to be betting on Miami unless it got to like 14 or 14 and a half. That's a little sketchy. And maybe there's a spot live one way or another, right? Maybe Miami gets an early touchdown somehow or, the, or Buffalo gets an early touchdown or two. And you get that situation where it feels like Buffalo is going to blow them out. And maybe they do, but you're getting like plus 21 or something along those lines. So maybe a live betting situation here once we see what Miami's actually capable of. Yeah, totally understand there. Interested to see definitely the scenes in Buffalo for a second be awesome. straight week for sure. Let's move on to the Giants at the Vikings. A lot of people kind of eyeing this one as maybe the most interesting line as, you know, we talked about a lot of uh, blowouts so far. But 
We've got the Giants at the Vikings. Vikings favored by three points at home. Both of these teams I found super annoying betting on one way or the other, just like untrustworthy teams, or you don't like betting on them or laying points on them, essentially. And the Vikings were super frustrating. And I can't remember a time being comfortable laying three points with the Vikings at any point throughout this season. And so I can't feel comfortable laying three points with the Vikings in the playoffs. With that said... (laughs) I still have a tough time here taking the Giants. And to be honest, I'm taking the Giants just because it's hitting that number at three. I just feel the Giants might be able to keep it close. Give me day ball, running the ball, Danny Dimes, Saquon, all that fun stuff, all those trick plays and, you know, their weird offense that they've been doing the whole year that kind of just kept things together somehow. You don't really know how they've been doing it against any other team. I think the Giants would just get blown out. But the Vikings are just so strange to me. I can't lay three points with the Vikings. I just can't do it. Give me the Giants plus three. Yeah, it's funny. You hit the nail on the head, right? They were frustrating for two different reasons. Because when when, uh, Minnesota wins that first game of the season against Green Bay, and it's sort of like one game confirms all the suspicions about the Vikings, the positive suspicions that they had, right, that we had, right? That like, oh, once you get Zimmer out of here, like now the Vikings are going to get cooking and it's going to be great. And look, they just blew out the Packers and now like we're off and running. And then they loot, they get blown out by the Eagles, but we're still like, no, they keep winning all the other games, right? It's like what they were like, eight and one, nine and one, something along those lines. And so you look at the scores and you look at the, or especially you look at the, the standings and you go like, yeah, I should be betting on the Vikings. They're nine and one, they're 10 and two, they're this, that, or that. And like, they just like never cover these numbers. And when they did cover, right? Like think about the Jets home game, right? Where it's like, just sneak Mike White, for God's sake, sneak Mike White. And they, they don't do it. And the, and the Vikings end up winning and covering that game where nobody sort of felt good about the Vikings. They didn't cover another game the rest of the season until the Bears rolled over for them last week in a successful attempt to get the number one draft pick. And so even when it looked good for the Vikings, it was like somehow they pulled off not covering. Exact opposite with the Giants. Never particularly looked good, but we're always covering because the Vikings, you know, perception was here. Their rating sort of slowly went towards the middle, whereas the Giants' perception started down here and slowly moved up to the middle. And it's funny because when these two teams met a few weeks ago, it was four and a half, this line, right? And so you can see, and and honestly, if it had been four weeks before that, probably would have been six and a half. And if it was four weeks before that, it probably would have been eight and a half. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's just been this like slow thing of these like two trains eventually meeting. And now they meet at essentially the same right they are basically rated the same the vikings here probably going to have some of the best home field advantage sort of built into the marketplace certainly two and a half points maybe even three and i think that three element is the key literally the key number and why i i'm taking the giants too now listen a lot of people are going to take the giants and we're going to sort of probably feel dumb when we all line up on the same underdog and like you know that barely very rarely goes well But I went into this, you know, part of my job, part of the best part of my job, and, you know, I have a really good season this year, is because I have to actually make a case for one side or the other. And so when I came into this game, I was kind of like, man, like it was four and a half a few weeks ago. The Vikings were up eight points late in that game, right? You'll remember the Giants went and scored late on a Barkley run and then got the two-point conversion, the two-point conversion. Honestly, if they had missed it, you know, the Giants would have covered uh, anyway. So that part didn't really matter. 
And I go, I'm looking through like box scores and the season long and all the metric stuff. And like Daniel Jones has had over 220 yards twice this season, which is to your point about like, if it seems like it's anybody else, they're probably going to get blown out. Now, whether they would or should or could or, or will, like that's a pretty obvious sort of thing. And one of those two big yardage games for Daniel Jones was against, I believe the lions when the lions had a big lead. So a lot of it was sort of second half, like having to come back sort of game script type situations. So the only time we're in kind of a neutral game script where Daniel Jones was able to have his way was indoors at Minnesota. So you're right. It's like, yeah, if it was anybody else, you know, whether they've got blown out or not, if it was anybody else, I wouldn't expect much from Daniel Jones. And that may or may not lead to a blow. In this case, I think we can expect things from Daniel Jones because every quarterback does this against the Vikings, yeah. right? The, like the numbers, it's not like we're making this stuff up, right? Like the past defense numbers are terrible. I'm with you, man. Like I, there's, I, I would have loved to be able to sit here and make a case about like, yeah, we've gone too far with this line. And honestly, if it had gone to like two and a half, I probably would have, but we're still getting threes. There's some even money plus threes out there, you know, or even some short, short juice threes. Yeah. I, I'm going to kick myself less. And honestly, sometimes it comes down to like organizational, right? Like, and Viking fan, Vikings fans know this. If you're betting the Vikings in the playoffs, probably not a great idea. But the Giants are the organization who sort of pull off the upsets, right? They're the ones who end up with Eli Manning having two Super Bowl rings on, you know, nine and seven type football teams. So yeah, all of those guys are gone, but like Brian Dable is certainly capable. And Daniel Jones, I think, is certainly capable. Honestly, I kind of like him more than I do Kirk Cousins. And yeah, it's not right. a primetime game necessarily. But talk to me at 6 o'clock, 6.30 on Sunday, Eastern time, when Kirk Cousins is throwing that interception, whether he doesn't feel like he's in primetime in a wild card game at home. You know, like I think the pressure yeah. is going to be on. So I just think, you know, you look at it and you're like, Kirk Cousins is going to make stuff look difficult. And the Giants and Brian Dable are going to make stuff look easier for Daniel Jones. And when we're getting three points in a game that I think is close, I'm going to take the, I'm going to take the giants. I like it. Like it a lot. Moving on to the Ravens at the Bengals Bengals favored by eight and a half points at home for the Ravens. No Lamar Jackson as well. We're assuming no Lamar Jackson as everything that we're hearing to date is he's basically a, a long shot to play at this point as we're recording this, but you know, this eight and a half number is very weird. Seems like too many points, but then again, I'm going to remind myself, don't be afraid of the big time spreads. And also don't be afraid of Tyler Huntley, right? Especially when the other side of this is in addition to Lamar Jackson, not practicing on Wednesday, Tyler Huntley didn't throw a pass during the media viewing of Wednesday's practice due to tendonitis in his right shoulder. Mm -hmm. So now not only am I talking about laying eight and a half points against no Lamar Jackson, but also a banged up Tyler Huntley. Like, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about that, but either way, like didn't throw in front of the media. doesn't mean he didn't practice. Of course. Cool. But I'm going to lay the eight and a half points with the Bengals here. And yeah, just super wild card weekend. I guess I'll go back and look at the scores that I read at the top of the pod and just talk myself into being comfortable with laying the eight and a half points here. Not liking it, not yeah. feeling good about it, right. but super wild card weekend. Let's go. Okay. So totally supportive of San Francisco laying those points. Very neutral 
on Miami uh, or Buffalo laying those points against Miami. Miami vigorously against laying the points with Cincinnati in this case for a couple of different reasons. So from a line perspective, right? We know it's not Lamar. Follow the money, right? Like the number should be four if it mm-hmm. was Lamar. Think about it. Think about it this way, right? Their first matchup when everybody was healthy it was in Baltimore. Ravens were favored by three, right? Yeah. Even if you want to do the full switch of three one way and three the other way, you got Cincinnati minus three. I'll even throw another point your way to get you to four on Cincinnati, but it wasn't. It was opened at six, and that was that. That's the standard. Is Lamar going to play? Is he not going to play? Number, right? Well, now it's mm-hmm. eight and a half. Now, as we're literally speaking, this morning was eight and a half. As we're speaking, nine. <laughs> I want to see how high this can go. So I'm not saying run out to the streets right now and bet Baltimore. I am going to be betting on Baltimore, though, now that we are talking about eight and a half. Now, I'm somebody who wrote about the Bengals as a teaser piece because a couple of different things. One, it was six and a half at the time. We were on the way up. Two, we had a little more ways to go for it to still be a valuable teaser piece, right? As long as it's, you know, eight and a half can be teased under a field goal, the Cincinnati Bengals were a viable teaser bet, especially since we don't know for sure if Tyler Huntley plays. And as we saw last week from these teams meeting each other, we know where the line's going to go if it's Anthony Brown. Maybe not necessarily as high because, you know, Mark Andrews didn't play in that game. J.K. Dobbins didn't play in that game. But I think those two and that sort of concept is the key element on all of this. The Ravens punted that game last week. So nothing from that game in a sort of negative way, you know, should be reflected against the Ravens, right? You can't go to that game and be like, well, look at what happened last week. Honestly, you could be positive about it and be like, they kind of hung around it, especially from a point spread standpoint, in a game that was started by Anthony Brown. That didn't have Mark Andrews. That didn't have, you know, full complement of the running game. But the bigger issue here for me is the defense of the Ravens. They just signed Roquan Smith to this extension. It's because they like what they see out of this defense with Roquan Smith in the mix, right? Smith comes in, they move some guys around. Patrick Queen is playing in a different position. And the defense for the Ravens that at the start of the year was getting burned deep left, right, and center is all of a sudden getting to the quarterback, et cetera. We talked last week, or actually it was two weeks ago, before the ill-fated Bengals-Bills uh, game, but how we're worried about the Bengals because they've lost right tackle Lyle Collins. Then last week, they went and they lost another offensive lineman. Now they're without their right guard and their right tackle, going against this Ravens defense. That, by the way, from a cultural standpoint, right, we sort of talked about you know a little bit about culture here and there, but from a cultural standpoint, like this is this, the Ravens are that team that is going to fist fight you, that is going to not lose by two, <laughs> by two scores in a playoff game because they're going to do the things on special teams, even if the metrics don't necessarily look great for their special teams this season, right? How is it going to feel laying nine points when, every, you know, when all it takes is kind of one Mark Andrews 25-yard catch or a J.K. Dobbins 30-yard run or something along those lines to get into field goal range for Justin Tucker? Meanwhile, Evan McPherson hasn't been that great this season. Hasn't been particularly great at all. And so you got Joe Burrow trying to drop back to pass when half of his line is getting caved in by the Ravens' defense. And honestly, a defensive uh, scheme that will likely try to be more aggressive, try to turn the Bengals over because they know they kind of have to. Now, could that go in the exact wrong way and the Bengals could score big touchdowns? I suppose, obviously, that it could. But like, they're going to need to have time 
in or Joe Burrow's going to need to have time in the pocket to be able to execute those sort of longer type of plays, you know, deep passes to Jamar Chase or T Higgins, et cetera. Do I think they're going to do that without Alex Kappa and without Lael Collins? Like we talked about the Bengals as a team who their whole thing was, we need to revamp the offensive line. Well, half of that is we, they're going right. Yeah. Like those guys are gone. And so now we're talking, now we're looking at this team going, okay, well, it's back to the backup offensive line. <laughs> Not great. Right. And so like, I think the Bengals still probably win this game and I'm comfortable having given out a, a basically pick them uh, teaser leg because that's aged really well. And now that we're up to nine, right. A teaser piece is minus three. We don't want anything to do with that, but now we're up to nine. We might get to 10 and honestly, I'd be fine at plus eight and a half because this is that game, right? There's, Listen, there's always one, right? And what's the game that's going to get us, you know, in trouble, right? Is it going to be the Geno Smith on the road against the 49ers, like a way more talented team against a team that we didn't think was very good at the start of the season, played pretty well in the middle to start the season, and then honestly didn't play very well at the back end? No, probably not going to be that. It's going to be Skylar Thompson on the road against a Bills team that's been a, you know, perennial sort of Super Bowl contender the last couple of weeks. doesn't feel like it's going to be that. Now, I realize the Bengals went to the Super Bowl last year, but, like, is it going to be the Ravens who basically spent a decade doing this to the Patriots and whatever? And you'd be like, well, they had Joe Flacco as their quarterback. <laughs> so? Like, who's Joe Flacco? You know what I mean? Joe Flacco. Like, the Ravens made Joe Flacco under the same concept of, like, all he would do is just throw it deep five times a game and it would somehow work out. And the defense and special teams held up outside of that. So, yeah, we're getting way out of control here with this number. This is a spot where I'm a little bit worried about the teaser leg now because I think the Ravens have a chance with Dobbins and with Andrews that and Huntley. Again, I have to assume Huntley's playing. But honestly, even if Anthony Brown's playing and this goes to 10.5, I love that too. So, yeah, this is Ravens underdog, like, have to, have to, have to. Like, never since, again, they might cover. They might blow them out. Never Cincinnati minus 8.5. I got you. I got you. And it's the interesting move of not liking the line of eight and a half at all. It's just such a weird, weird, weird number. Um, And that's the funny part of as we go through these playoff games, I enjoy looking through and seeing like, wait, that kind of seems off. And then starting the conversation there. And this line, I will say the last game of the week, Super Wild Card Weekend, which takes us to Monday night, which still seems a little weird to me. Can't lie. But Monday night playoff game, we got the Cowboys as two and a half point favorites in Tampa Bay yeah. against the Bucks. Both of these teams, much like when I was discussing the Giants and the Vikings, very frustrating teams to bet on or against in terms of the Cowboys and the Bucks at different points throughout this season. But for whatever reason, I feel like the Dallas Cowboys at least, I feel like I saw them be good at certain points this season. <laughs> The Bucks, I, mean, I the Bucks, I listen, I know I get it. The Bucks, they're they're just trying to get to the playoffs. Tom Brady did his thing. He made sure he won games in spite of everything else around him going on. I don't know. I just have a tough time like with the Bucks at this point. And I'll be I'll be the loser taking the Cowboys <laughs> with all the like sad cowboy fan faces that we will see. And Michael Irving getting clowned by Stephen A. Smith on month on Tuesday morning and all that fun stuff. I just can't with the Bucks. The Bucks this whole season, it, I felt like is smoke and mirrors and Tom Brady somehow coming out and just winning a game. Yeah. And with this number being two and a half, yeah, not three, I can still take the Cowboys. Yeah, at three, then I'm leaning 
lean in Tampa Bay at two and a half. Give me the Cowboys. I'll lay those points. So this all comes down to context, right? And that's what we're doing here. This is a market. We're buying, we're selling, right? We're rating teams. We're changing ratings. We're seeing how the market's rating them. We're agreeing, disagreeing, et cetera, et cetera, right? And nobody has been louder. And honestly, nobody was earlier to being loud about the Buccaneers being awful or average or whatever you want than I was. I think that's fair to say, right? Like I've been on that train for a very long time. Right. And so contextually, when like, let's think about the game, you know, when they hosted the Rams, for example. Right. And it's like, how, you know, how are they three and a half against the Rams? Like this, you know, should be three. And it goes down to three and you go, okay, like that, we're getting closer here, but this like should be pick them. And, you know, yada, yada, yada. Bunch of other games follow a similar example. Uh, you know, road seven against the Cardinals, even with, I have, I've already forgotten who the jabroni was who started that, uh, that game. If this game, if the Bucks were rated the same way that they were rated when we complained about their rating, this would be like Bucks two and a half, Bucks minus three. I mean, think about the start of the year, right? Week mm -hmm. one, Sunday night football, right? Speaking of things that feel like they happened a long time ago, 18 weeks ago, uh, you know, Tampa Bay was what, six and a half on the road to Dallas. Yeah. So, like, we've come a long way. That's that's nine points without even talking about home home field advantage, right? Throw in another, yeah. you know, two plus two is four. You know, we're talking like 12, 13 points swing from where we were on the Bucks at the start of the season. So when I tell you I grabbed, I couldn't have grabbed the Bucks plus three fast enough when it opened at plus three. And I basically sat there watching the Cowboys play the commanders as I had a sneaking suspicion that the, the Cowboys were going to choke that game because what the Cowboys ill-prepared for a game, listen, any game, playoff, Thanksgiving, meaningless or whatever, easy game against the Texans or the Colts. Like you mentioned, like I'm still waiting for the, the, the Bucks to show you anything. I'm still waiting for the Cowboys to show you. Speaking of things that I was early on, pointing out all of these games that they just got by, Giants, Colts, listen, Giants are pretty good, but Colts, Texans, right? Every week, it was like, am I the only one worried about this Cowboys team? As they continually to be rated next to the Eagles, next to the 49ers in the betting market. Now, you can say, well, listen, they played the Eagles too closely and yada, yada, yada. The Gardner Minshew Eagles, not the same <laughs> thing as the Jalen Hurts Eagles, right? And they needed what? Like, what is third and 13s and fourth downs? Oh, crazy. Third and 30s and stuff like that, right? They need a lot of stuff to go right to win that game, let alone cover that game in kind of a fluky type of a way. So all that is to say, like, the Cowboys are the Bucks. only we haven't got there yet with the adjustment to the rating in the way that we moved the Bucks this whole time. And the Cowboys rating is, like, around, maybe it's a tiny bit higher than it was in week one. But, like, we went a long way because Dak was out and we thought, they, you know, the Cowboys were terrible. And then they had won a bunch of games and they came back. But, again, like the Eagles, like everybody else in that division, the Giants, etc., like, the Cowboys' schedule hasn't been particularly difficult. Right. But they keep getting by because they win these games barely against these bad teams. And now they're favored on the road. I'm watching that commanders game. and I go, I dare sports books to give me bucks plus three and a half. Like I'm sitting there just going, I dare you to lay plus, you know, to, to put down a three and a half. They didn't. I had to think about it for a second. And then I thought to myself, you know what, self, you're never getting three and a half. Just grab the three when you can. That went away in about 24 hours, maybe even a little bit less. So yeah, hard for me to be like, yeah, Tampa plus two and a half. I'd rather just do the money line here because like if it comes down to it, man, who do you trust more? Tom or Dak 
to lead that last drive. Totally. Right. And like, yeah, the Bucks season has been a bummer, but there's been a lot of parts in and out, right? The receiving core in and out, obviously Godwin trying to get back to healthy. He's finally healthy. They finally have Evans and Godwin sort of ready to go here. The defense, Vita Vea should be back this week, right? That's obviously a major thing for the run defense. There's going to be a lot of Zeke Elliott just running straight into that line and people getting bummed out because he's got 12 carries. And why don't we give it to Tony Pollard? And then Tony Pollard's going to come in and he's going to miss a block. And Dak's going to throw a panic interception or get strip sacked on a fumble because the Buccaneers now have their secondary all back and healthy and ready to go. And Dak's 12 games and he led the league in interceptions. Like if that guy's name was Davis Mills, who we tied with, by the way, for the league lead in interceptions, we'd be <laughs> mocking the, you know, old crappy Davis Mills, right? Old yeah. Skylar Thompson, oh, you know, this guy, that guy. Like, how about don't throw 14 interceptions in 12 games and I can have some faith in you? So, like, why do I like the why am I supposed to like the Cowboys on the road in a playoff game after they lost as a favorite at home last year and they haven't shown anything against a good team basically all season long? No, no. Like this, this I cannot, there's just not a way in which this makes sense to me. Like the line makes sense. Like I had market with three, so I was totally fine with it being three. My numbers make it two, so I'm not far off where it is. But eventually you just have to sit back and go like, what What on Monday night, when the fourth quarter rolls around, what do I think is going to happen here? You know what I mean? And like, give me Brady. Now we're at two and a half. Teaser leg, up, plus eight and a half. You can use, can't really anymore now that it's kind of getting to nine here. Can't really use Cincinnati if you, that's gone jacksonville now plus two going up to eight or plus two and a half going up to eight and a half that's your first leg of this teaser and then honestly you might be able to tease this with some games for next week because it's a monday night game you tease that up with something that's already built because this four or five game we're going to know the other matchups in the uh nfl right we're going to know the other in the uh, nfl divisional round so you can tease it up like it i like it a lot and the dallas cowboys bucks game like that is just primed for this is why ESPN wanted ESPN, ABC, Disney. Yeah. Wanted this Monday night playoff game. Dallas Cowboys versus Tom Brady, Monday night football, Troy Aikman, Buck, Joe Buck. Oh, it's going to be incredible scenes for sure. Obviously, though, there's a lot of other ways that people can be, you know, watching these games, enjoying these games. And as we wrap up the pod here, though, I would like yeah. you to just give me what might be well first off where the people can find the information to get a deeper dive into all of this but just give me a prop give me something that you know someone should look to and say hey if there's something might want to find another interesting way to kind of jump onto to a wave here yeah first off give me the plug where i can find all this information yeah, at MRS Authentic, that's the Twitter feed. Obviously, at the score, set your alerts, your betting alerts for all the content. We got a bunch of all six games. We're going to be doing prop stuff uh, for those. Uh, we're going to have a fun round robin parlay. You'll notice I didn't use the term money line. We're going to have a fun round robin parlay out on Friday for that as well. Uh, people ask me all the time, start of the playoffs, what, you know, futures bets, like, you know, who do you like in a Super Bowl? It's far too late, man. You missed out on all the good, all the good future plays and whatever. Like, these are things that, like, maybe you can get one, a good one in in like week 12. You know, I think Chargers, for example, were a decent one um, at the high prices that they were at. 
So sorry, there's no value left. Last year, I know we had sort of a fun run with the 49ers. There's no 49ers-esque type of a run here because, listen, the best teams in the wild card round on the road are the Chargers. They're already a favorite. And the Cowboys, they're already a favorite. And I don't really like either team all that much, uh, certainly at the prices they're at now or even at their rollover prices. But what I do have, super bonus content for you. Grab a pen and pencil. If you haven't already, hit pause. Here we go. There are certain books out there, most of them actually, who have uh, markets for most passing yards for the playoffs, most receiving yards for the playoffs, and most rushing yards for the playoffs. Now, the key in all of this is, guess what? If you play a lot of games, you're going you're gonna to get a lot of yards. So you've got a lot of teams playing this week that if they just make it to the conference finals, don't even have to win the conference finals because you still get credit, right? You make it to the conference finals and you lose, and I bet you to win the conference finals, doesn't help you all that much. If you make it to the conference finals and I've got you for most passing yards and you lose, maybe you threw 400 yards in a losing cause. All that stuff counts. Last year, we had the Bengals and the Rams. Both teams played four games getting to the Super Bowl. So obviously, every single one of them led, you know, each category was led by one of those two players. So not going to be a ton from the Eagles or the Chiefs because you literally need them to make the Super Bowl in order to even have a chance to even, you know, you make the Super Bowl, they get three games, right? That's the same as a team that lost in the conference uh, championship game. So here we go. Most passing yards. First one, again, this is all about value, right? Justin Herbert is 11 to 1 to have the most passing yards. We know the Chargers run game is pretty bad. They're going to th throw short. They're going to throw long. Listen, they're a favorite in the first round. Again, small favorite, admittedly. Then they go to the Chiefs next week, unless something really wacky happens, i.e. the Ravens beat the Bengals. Then they go to the Chiefs. Obviously, have had close games with the Chiefs in the past. If they can win that game, then they get to the conference finals. There's your three games that you need out of Justin Herbert. And maybe, honestly, they win that game too, and they go to the Super Bowl, in which case it's going to be really hard to beat Justin Herbert over four games in the passing yards comp, uh, uh, section. Gentlemen that we just mentioned, Thomas J. Brady. Most, I think it had the most ever attempts. I think he had the most ever completions in his career. We're getting down to the nitty gritty. We're not handing the ball off to Leonard Fournette 20 times or Rashad White. He's actually available at a certain website, our favorite website, Schmet Shmi Schmixti Schmive, at as a bonus. But most of the places he's 11 to 1. You can get him for 14 to 1 there. So we're going to spread one on the NFC, one on the AFC there. Again, just need them to get to the third round, obviously the conference championship game, to have a real chance at cashing those. Rushing yards. The favorite is Christian McCaffrey. He's at plus 450. Not something I would normally like to do, but guess what? I like your 49ers going a long way here, Shell. McCaffrey at plus 450, I think, is actually still a pretty good price for a guy who could play four games and will get a ton of rushing yards. The Elijah Mitchell thing scares me a little bit, but I don't think that's going to matter all that much to McCaffrey's total yardage uh, when it all is said and done, especially if he can play those four games. And then two long shots in the rushing category, Saquon Barkley, we like him plus three. Maybe they can win. Then you've got the Eagles. Listen, Eagles run defense was up and down this season. Who's to say the Giants couldn't beat the Eagles next week? Saquon Barkley's 30 to one to win the rushing, the, the postseason rushing title, if you will. And if you want to go even a little bit wilder there, what's a team that's playing this week who everybody seems to like, who could make the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl? The Buffalo Bills. James Cook is 33 to 1, whereas his backfield mate, Devin Singletary, is like 14 to 1. 
Last week, James Cook had more carries and more snaps than Devin Singletary, and he has taken more of the carries over the course of the season. He's a guy who could play four games. That would make up for some of these other guys who are going to get more in one game or two games. Really nice little underdog long shot there. Uh, quickly, most receiving yards, Kelsey, he's available in that same on that at that same website bonus bet bonus uh, boost if you will uh 10 to 1 in a lot of places he's available at 12 to 1 he's he was third last year in receiving yards how many games quickly did Travis Kelsey play in the playoffs last last year three was he playing two two right because they went no that you're right it was three it was three it was three he was third and the two guys ahead of him played four games Right. So like of the guys who played three games, he was the leader. So he yeah. could play three games this year. Mm-hmm. 12 to one. I'll take it. I like your guy, George Kittle. If the 49ers are playing four games, if he yeah. averages 75 yards, that's now we're talking 300 yards, right? Tough to beat 300 yards in this category. And then a couple of long shots here. Godwin for the Tampa Bay, right? If we like Tom Brady, let's try Godwin. He's at uh, quickly... 35 to one. And then T Higgins and Juju Smith Schuster, Juju Smith Schuster, again, another guy who could play three full games here and be the main guy for Kansas city in the playoffs. We're talking about 20 to one for him and T Higgins. He's 20 to one as well. If more focus is put on Jamar chase and Cincinnati gets back to the super bowl, 20 to one T Higgins is going to be very live to lead the league in receiving yards in the postseason. And one last one, super bowl MVP, your man, George Kittle is a hundred to one right now. The 49ers get to the Super Bowl. I don't know that it's necessarily fait accompli that Brock Purdy wins the MVP as a quarterback often does, right? He's obviously shown a connection with Kittle. Maybe there's a 100-yard, two-touchdown game in the Super Bowl for George Kittle at 100-1. to That's worth a few bucks to see what happens in the playoffs. Obviously, I'm high on the 49ers making the Super Bowl, but from a market standpoint, there's no bet to make on the team. Plenty of bets to make on the players. Love it, my dude. And again, that is, you can follow Matt at MRUS Authentic and of course, all the stuff he writes at The Score as well. And we're here. It's the playoff time. We're, 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 we're wilding out here with a bunch of bets, different props, lots of stuff going on. Make sure you like and follow and subscribe wherever you get the podcast. Make sure you're following Matt. Make sure you're tapping in. Bless us with the likes and retweets and ask questions throughout the weekend because you know Matt's live tweeting the games going on and, and uh, celebrating and commiserating as That's he likes right. to say. So make sure you follow along at Twitter for sure. My name is Sheldon Alexander. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Shell Alexander on Twitter, Sheldon Alexander on Instagram. As mentioned again, this is the On Blast podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe wherever you get your pods. For watching this video and you haven't hit like already, you made it this far through, you haven't hit like, first off, what are you, what doing? Are you doing? But also, thank you for watching either way because as i always say i used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this this is the on blast podcast nfl picks edition part of the on blast podcast network as always unpolished and unapologetic until next time see ya on blast